0: All right, one more time, we're going to stand up in honor of the word of God, and we will read 1 Kings chapter 19, 19 to 21. I want to talk about, as we look at Elisha's calling, I want to talk about the unexplainable calling in our lives. Verses 19 to 21 of chapter 19. So he departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back again, for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. Could be seated. Now, this call of Elisha comes sort of in the middle of a story, a narrative, a historical narrative. And if if you've just sort of parachuted in today, or this is your first uh, first time with us, let me just catch you up quickly. Elijah is a prophet in Israel, renowned, well-known, because during the time of Ahab and Jezebel, in that time frame in, in uh, in the history of Israel... Jezebel and Ahab brought Baalism into Israel so much so that the people chose Baal over the one true God. And Elijah fought 400 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, defeating these 400 prophets of Baal in the name of God by the power of God and caused a revolution of sorts inside Israel, brought them back to God. Well, he got tired. We found him under a broom tree after this kind of thing in the desert where he was depressed, he was having difficulty, he wanted to die, and he cried out to God, and God gave him shade, gave him water, gave him food, gave him sleep, and gave him an angel so that he would have community and not be alone. And then he gave him just enough for what he would need for the next bit of the journey. And on that journey, he traveled to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb, and On that mountain, he met with God. And when he met with God, God called him to do some things, and one of those things he said for him to do was to visit Elisha, the son of Shaphat, and call him as the next prophet to Israel, anoint him as the next prophet to Israel. So that's where we pick up today, and that's where we find ourselves, is the calling of Elijah. Now the first thing that I just want to say, it's, it's quite obvious, it's redundant if you've been here the last couple of weeks, but it's so worth repeating the unexplainable life hears and obeys God, period. The unexplainable life hears and obeys God. So if you look at what Elijah does here, it says in First Kings 19, 19, so he departed from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. Why did Elijah do this? He did this because he heard God tell him to do it, and he obeyed it, and he did it. It's that simple. He heard God say, go anoint Elijah, and so he did that thing to obey him. It's it's simple, but the people who live the unexplainable life hear God and obey him. Hear God and obey him. Now, practical sidebar, the only way that we hear God and obey him is to spend time in his word, ask him to speak to us by his spirit, and then when we learn what to do, we do it. It's that simple. So people, and that is unusual, by the way. That is unusual. And so it becomes an unexplainable life to people when they look and they see someone that hears and obeys God. But this is what Elijah did. Uh, because in 1 Kings 19.16, uh, God told him to go anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat. And this is where we pick up with Elisha. And we'll be looking at his life for the next uh, few, few weeks. Now, Elisha had 12 yoke of oxen, apparently. That tells us he was kind of a wealthy guy. He, he, his family must have been a little bit uh, wealthy. And he was called to something. Create, he was created for a specific purpose and called. And, and what I want us to see is that the unexplainable life is characterized by calling. So go back to verse 20 and 21. And this includes you, not just Elisha. All of us in Christ have calling. So look at verse 20. This is his specific. And he, and he left the oxen. And he ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother, and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go, go back again, for what have I done to you? So it, it continues, and he returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. So this unexplainable life is characterized by calling. Now I want you to just think about this for just a minute. Elisha... He's with his 12 yoke of oxen. He's in the back, right? Riding the the good seat in the back of of all of those uh, 12, but he's doing work. Elijah comes along, takes off his cloak, and throws it on him. Now, what do you do if that happens? That's not in our cultural context, right? Like, dude, what are you doing? But, in that context, this is, uh, this is like elisha giving Elijah giving Elisha his mantle, his anointing, and this is what he 's calling him to is like you look elijah 's renowned at this point, four hundred prophets of Baal, uh, Mount Carmel, everybody knows about this bodies thrown from Mount Carmel to Jezreel. Everybody knows about this. Elisha knows about this. So when Elijah comes by and throws his, his cloak on him, he is calling him to follow me, to learn to be like me, to take up this calling. Elisha, the younger, was created for a specific purpose. Now, Elisha's name means God is salvation. And remember, Elijah means Yahweh is God. Remember all the prophets of Baal after they were defeated, the people were chanting, Yahweh is God, Yahweh is God. He like fulfilled the destiny of his his name. He was created for a specific purpose. So is Elisha. Elisha means God is salvation. Just like Elisha has an unexplainable call in his life, so do you as a follower of Jesus. Listen to what the scripture says. Psalm 139 verse 13. For you formed me, and you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. If you think about this for just a, a second, the intimacy of that, that God formed you with purpose in your mother's womb. He knew who you would be, what your name would be, how tall you would be, how long you will live, the color of your hair, the places you would go, the people that you would meet. All of that, he formed you in your mother's womb. You, just like Elijah and just like Elisha, have a calling. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it tells us this about ourselves. For we are his workmanship, meaning God's workmanship. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared for beforehand that we should walk in them. So just like Elisha is created to live out his his name, God is salvation. We were created, formed in our mother's womb, created for good works, for his glory, according to his purpose, for the good of people. We were created in Christ Jesus, and God prepared those things beforehand. Before what? Before you even knew who your mama was before you knew God, any of it. He, cre- he, he created you so especially and so purposefully because he has a calling for you to follow. So we were created for a specific purpose. I was, you were, everyone was, including Elisha here. Now, not only were we created for a specific purpose, but part of that is that we are called to follow. So look at what Elisha does in verse 20A. And he left the oxen and ran after Elisha. Elijah. He left the oxen and ran after Elijah. Um, I, I don't know what you think about when you think about like, okay, I'm gonna follow God. I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow him. But apparently Elisha thought, when it's time to follow Elijah the prophet, I just need to drop everything and follow him. And he does ask, let me, go, let me go kiss my mom. He feels like, obviously he feels like he may not be coming back exactly. He, he, he doesn't know. And so he wants to say goodbye because he knows he's going to be gone. So You may think to yourself, okay, so Elijah's name is God. God is is salvation. A prophet, a famous prophet walks by and throws his mantle on him and he drops everything. That's Elisha. He was Elisha. But, But do you not understand that when you met Jesus for the very first time, he called you just like he called his disciples. He said, come follow me. Just like he called his disciples. You in Christ are a disciple of Jesus. Disciples follow. That's what we do. We hear and obey and we follow. And like Elijah, we are called to follow. We kind of have to drop everything and follow him. For Ansel and I, we've often said like, hey, Jesus gets a blank check with our lives, whatever it is he gets to to fill it in. He gets to say where you go what you 're going to do how you 're going to do it, all those kinds of things. This is fellowship. We hear and obey and we follow, and the unexplainable life is like this. Some people think when they met Jesus, they were just you were just as such a menial word, but only called to salvation like Okay, when I die, I'm going to go to heaven now. But it was way more than that. It was you were created for a purpose specifically. And now he's called you to follow him. And when you hear and obey him and you walk that out, you will live the unexplainable life. Like Elijah. Like Elisha. And in our world, we need so many people hearing and obeying, understanding they are called to follow, and you are called just like Elisha was. Now, here's the third thing we learn. It's all been fun till now, but right here we learn that, that the calling will cost you your old life. The calling will cost you your old life in the very best way, but it will cost you your old life. Look at t- verse 20 here, second part. Let me kiss my father and mother. And then I will follow you. And he said, go back again for what have I done to you? Of course, go kiss your father and mother. And he returned from following him and took a yoke of oxen, sacrificed them, boiled their flesh with the yoke of oxen, and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. He he left home. He left his livelihood. And he followed. It cost him his old life in the very best way. Now... Jesus said to a band of disciples in Galilee, come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. It cost them their old life in the very best way. In fact, Jesus spoke to this idea in Luke chapter 9, 57 to 62. He he, he echoes what Elijah is saying here. As they were going along the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. It's funny that Jesus doesn't go, okay, come on, man. I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Like, will you? To another, he said, Follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus wasn't as nice as Elijah here. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead, but as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow, this is the Elijah, Elisha reference, and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. The calling will cost you your old life in the very best way. It will be wrought with sacrifice, but it will be good. But maybe you think to yourself, well, those are the disciples. That was Elijah, that was Elisha's, what what about me? We all have a very specific calling. You know, uh, probably, uh, well, uh, 12 years ago almost, um, aunts and I and our girls we came here to uh, Bay Area Church and it was a journey to get here um, in fact probably three years prior to that Bay Area Church reached out to me I was serving at an, another church as an associate pastor Bay Area Church reached out to me and asked me to consider coming here and I, I think I maybe filled out a few things but then Just did not want to do that. (laughs) If I'm honest, it's just like, I have a really good job. I love what I do. I like where I am. No. Not going to do that. And, uh, And plus, we were going through some crazy, weren't we, as a family at that time? Which seems like we're always going through crazy. But we were going through crazy at that time. And... Uh, so she said no, and they they called another pastor. And I remember when they called the other pastor, I felt like I I missed something. But oh, whatever the Lord has, right. And so, but I did, I remember praying my office and Katie text. I remember thinking, I pray, I I thought this is going to come up again. I don't know why I thought this is going to come up again, but I thought this is going to come up again. And I prayed, if this come up up again, if this comes up again, would you give me clarity and understanding to know like what to do? Because I I really want to, I want to follow you. And so 18 months later, came up again. pastor left Bay Area. I'm in my office. Take the stuff home. Angela and I meet with people. We get this notebook. We go through this long process. And one night she opens the trash can. I threw it through the notebook from Bay Area church in the trash can. And she goes, why is this in the trash can? And I was like, because I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to go there. I don't. And she said, "We need to hear." She took it out of the trash can. We need to hear from God, not from you. <laughs> and I thought she'd be glad that it was in the trash can. And uh, and so I was getting ready. I was finishing seven years where I was. I was getting ready to uh, have a sabbatical, and I was like, "I need to eke this out to get past the seven years to get the sabbatical, so I can just be alone with God and." And so I asked this committee that Mike Pyburn was uh, chairing, I asked this committee, um, hey, can you just give me a month to pray? And I figured they would just go with the next guy because it had already been like a long time. And they were like, yeah, okay. (laughs) So I uh, went on sabbatical and I went, I had this incredible opportunity with the stuff that I do overseas to um, train for like Egypt, Israel, uh, Jordan experiences. And so I went to Egypt and uh, we experienced the Nile and all that kind of stuff. But then we went out into the, uh, to the wilderness, right? Like Moses, we've kind of fallen in the footsteps of Moses. And so we left uh, Cairo and we crossed the river and out into the wilderness. We came to this place called Rephidim. And Rephidim is the place uh, where Joshua fought the Amalekites in the valley below, and Moses was on the mountain, and and, Joshua, and Aaron and Hur were holding up his arms, and as long as they held up his arms, uh, Joshua would, win, would be winning the battle with the Amalekites, but as soon as his arms dropped, they, he would start losing, so they held up his arms. Joshua fought the Amalekites, he won the battle in the valley below, and they built an alt- altar up there called the Lord is My Banner. So, we climbed up that that mountain, and, and uh, the guy that was leading our experience training us, his name was George, he was talking, and like, mom, you ever, you might be doing it right now, like somebody's talking, you're thinking about a, a bunch of different things, you know, and, uh, and that's what I was doing. George was talking about all the archaeology and geography and text. And I was just talking to God. And, uh, and I, had some, I had some problems that to work out with God. I just didn't know I was working them out at Refidim. But some of the problems were, uh, one, I, I had a platform that I thought was important through this other church. And I didn't want to give it up. And so I was like, Lord, what about this? You, you, you said, do this. I did this. created a platform uh, so that I have influence to be able to speak to those things. If I go there, that's going to go away. Uh, what about this? And, and I had about five, like, what abouts? What about, what about, what about, what about? What about? And, uh, and the Lord clearly spoke to me. I didn't know it was about Bay Area Church at all. But he clearly spoke to me and said, none of those things. Are your banner. Think about the, think about the, uh, altar that was built up here. You, you remember the Lord is my banner. And I remember like feverishly writing that night in my journal, like the Lord is my banner. I don't care. I don't care where, when, how, you know, what the Lord is my banner. I'm going to, I'm going to lift high that banner. So I, I go, they didn't, I don't even think they knew I was in Egypt or what I was doing in the search committee and I come home, and, like, I know I've got to, like, engage with them, but I have no answers. Like, I don't know what God wants. I have no idea, and I don't really want to do that, and so I emailed back and kind of said that to Mike, and... uh, and he emailed me back. It was a little bit of time. I think I asked some questions, like, "Hey, what is what is happening over there?" There's unmistakably God that, like, you can put your finger on and say, "Hey, this is God at work." And uh, he he sent me this email back, and um, I was sitting in my office. And I read it, and I I saved the email, and I wrote this quote down <clears throat> because. It's my why. So I'm sitting in my office, and I, you know, you get that little email sounding. I click the email, Mike Piver, great. And uh, I read it, and it's a long email, but there's this one line in the email, and it says, after they've been praying and all these things, this email says, um, the situation is critical But the opportunity is ripe The people are willing to follow a banner If only someone will raise it And I was like Okay I, I hear I can hear that And I talked to Angela And we were, she's like okay And I went to talk to my pastor I told him the story I just told you And I showed him the email And he was like you will probably go to the bad place if you don't go over there (laughs) and do that. And so we did, and not to say that it's been uh, easy, but it's been right. It's been right is the call on our lives, right? It's specific. I'm not Elijah. I'm not Elisha. And maybe you're thinking, it's okay, but yeah, you're a pastor, you have a seminary degree, blah, blah, blah. You know, that stuff gets you nowhere with hearing and obeying God. I'll just tell you the truth. Seminary. It's just like, God doesn't look at me like that. <clears throat> you might, but he doesn't. He just sees. Brian that he formed in his mother's womb, you know, created for good works, who's greatly in need of grace, but created for good works. This is Brian. You're the same. You are the same. And the question you have to answer, just like Elisha took off after Elijah, the question you have to answer is, what is God calling you to do? What is he calling you to do? There's generally a call on your life that's clear biblically. It's the call, glasses and tears don't work. It's the call to come and follow. Also, can't see. It's the call to come and follow, to hear and obey, to be faithful. So like the first part of that call is the call to salvation. You recognizing, I am a sinner, I cannot rescue myself. You believing God created you for something much better than what you're experiencing on your own, you believing that when you come to him, he will forgive you of your sin and cleanse you of your sin and make you righteous with the righteous robes of Jesus, you trusting that Jesus did all the work for your salvation on the cross and you just receiving it as grace, that is the first call. And many of you here have bowed your knee to Jesus in that moment and said, save me from my sins. All, uh, many of us. Some of you haven't yet, and some of you need to humble yourself and hear that call and receive it, the call to salvation. But it's not just salvation. It's not just like we've Americanized this thing to death where we like, okay, they're on the church roll. We have their information. They're good. That It's not the... The book you need to be in. It's the book of life, according to the scripture. It, it comes only through Jesus. And so it's a call to salvation. But the second part of that, it's, it's almost like you can't separate the two, is the call to walk with Him, to hear Him and obey Him. Colossians chapter 1, 10, 10 to 14, Paul was encouraging the church of Colossae. He said, So you should be people so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us. To the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So the call is understand all that, but walk with him. Walk with him, and the way that we walk is we hear and obey. And I'm going to tell you, in 21st century America, even in the context, generally in the context, of the 21st century American church, people who are simply walking with Jesus live an unexplainable life to the entire world. Simply, at the, at the, at the lowest common denominator, just walking with Jesus is an unexplainable life. To hear him, to obey him. That story I just told you, I heard the voice of God in my life. Through his word, by his spirit, through an email, through the body of Christ. That's unexplainable. You have the same kind of calling. So generally a call to salvation, generally a call to walk with him. But do you think he has a unique calling for you? I do. I think he has a unique calling for you laced in Ephesians 2.10 that says he created you for good works that he prepared beforehand. Like he knew what they would be. He knows what he designed you for. And let me just mention a couple of things. Some of you that are listening to this preaching are being called to pastoral service, to missionary service, to church service. But not all of you. Some of you. Some of you. Don't be confused that this is the call of God for everyone. But it's the call of God for some of you. And the reason he calls people that way, Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, it says, and he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up the body of Christ. So some of you, he's calling to those things, pastoral ministry, missionary service, whatever youth leadership in the context of the church, he may be calling you. And I would say to you, if he's calling you in that way, you will know it in your gut. You'll try to deny it, but you will know it in your gut. And I would just say, uh, school of hard knocks here on that one, surrender early. Surrender to submit to it and continue hearing and obey and see what he has in store for you. If you're thinking to yourself, that seems hard. There's no money in that. You have to prepare a sermon a lot. You're right. On all, all fronts, you know, you're not going to get stock options. That category. Store, have a kingdom view. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Leave the money alone. Follow the calling. Follow the call. Some of you is calling like that. Some of you are working in jobs right now, and you have a lot already, and he's calling you, and you're like, but all this. And he's like, I know. Remember the rich young ruler? Go, one thing you lack. Go sell everything and follow me. That wasn't a call for everybody, but it was for that guy. Some of you, he's calling to pastoral missionary church leadership so that the body of Christ may be built up, so that the saints may be equipped for the work of the ministry. But that's not all of you, that's just, that's just some of you. To all of you, he is calling you to domain engagement. It's clear in the scriptures two things. That he gave us a mission. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go make disciples of all nations. The question is, where do you go every day? Where do you go? I go here. Where do you go? And that's why identifying those domains is so important. Because honestly, like, I sit with a scientist and come at it like a pastor. That can be hard. But a a believer, a Christian who knows the science, sits with another scientist and talks about the issues, that's way different. And same in every aspect of society. God, the second thing that we know, not only do you have mission, but God placed you right where you are on purpose. I don't care where you are, he placed you there. He put you at a crossroads. If it's to be in your home and raise the kids to raise the next generation, that, he put you there. He designed you for it, and it is legacy building. If he put you in the police department, He put you there on purpose, created you for good works. I know you see all the bad, but He created you to be a light in the midst of that. If He put you on the Artemis Project, and you are a rocket scientist, you're that guy that makes me always hesitate to say it's not rocket science. (laughs) He put you there on purpose. For the glory of God and for the good of people, he called you to that. He wired you like that. I could never in my life design a rocket. But you can. If he put you in education and you're around the community every day and there are kids, it's not just to teach math. He put you there. He designed you for it. That's your place of influence. That's your calling. And so you need to ask him, like, what do you want me to do here, God? Speak to me. And you just take the little steps of hearing and obeying every single day. And he will use you in an unexplainable ways, Right where you are. See, this is the unexplainable life. Elisha... He was just plowing. Everything changed. Cost him his old life, but for the best, for the glory of God and for the good of people. This calling is unexplainable. And God has called you to do something. And I would, I would beg you to lean in. Lean in for the sake of the kingdom. Lean in for the good of the city for the people around you in your workplace lean into hearing and obeying God and follow him as he calls you because he will whisper calling into your ear you're special unique it's not like my kids played fun fair positive soccer one season and then I couldn't take it anymore because it was too fun, it was too fair, and it was too positive. <laughs> Everybody got a trophy at the end. Everybody's a winner. I was like, that kid's not a winner. That kid picked dandelions in front of the goal the whole time. He goes, it needs to go be great somewhere else. It's not like that. In the kingdom of God, i 'm different than you 're different you're like you 're like a, a different wiring, a different gift set a different set of spiritual gifts, and you have purpose, and the world needs you to shine your light in your place of influence. It is an unexplainable life the world won 't get it you may lose it may cost you some things. But it will be for the best, for the good of God, for the glory of God, the good of people. And you're good. You'll find that you'll love it. (laughs) Would you bow your head and close your eyes? Just ask the Lord to speak to you. know uh, following a calling actually takes action and so maybe your first step today maybe you hear God calling you to something and maybe you just need to stand up in a moment and walk with your feet right down here and just just pray at this altar just you and God and deal with him about that calling whatever it is but there there would be something about moving from your seat to Say, hey, I'm willing to take those steps because I hear your voice. If if that's you, I would encourage you to to come right here at this altar and just deal with God about what he's calling you to. If you wanna tell one of us, one of our prayer partners, one of our pastors, hey, God is calling me to this, I know it. Tell us. If If you tell me, I'm probably gonna be like tomorrow asking you how it's going. What about the next day? How are we moving forward? All those kinds of things. So be careful who you tell. But tell somebody, because that's another step. It becomes real. Some of you, God is calling to salvation for the first time. Like, you get, I can't rescue myself from my sin. And you you just need Jesus to rescue you, forgive you of your sins. You've heard the gospel He died on a cross for you to save you from your sins. He took the wrath of God and the judgment for you if you would simply believe. Maybe you need to believe today to answer that call. You can come at this time. We'd love to pray over you. If you need to pray about anything, come, come pray with us. We'd love to pray.